0: Hey folks welcome back to another episode of biomass we're on episode 223 glad you could join us we got a good mix of topics today so let's get started with some introductions starting at the top of the list with bait oh my god what's up everybody my name
1: is bait i'm a florida man and uh yeah that's me all right jay you're up all right all
2: right all right nerds on the field oh my god Hey, what's up? This is Jason. And uh, yes, I too have played Gambit. And no, I'm not going to go to a 12 step program after it, but I'm hooked. <laughs> All right.
0: We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Livy, you're up.
3: I'm Livy, and I'm too dead for an intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. So uh, Zell could unfortunately not join us today, but he did leave us a shout out for the end of the show. So we will get to that at the end. So uh, and for nice? the record,
2: he would say nothing in this episode anyway. Just oh, for the
0: I'll fill in for him, be like, "All right, Zell, shout out, he would be like, I'm Zell, I don't play games, Um, I'm not really sure why I'm on a gaming podcast, but I'm here, and that would be it. And I am Pokey, I help host the show here, I do some YouTube stuff with Livy, and uh, I too tried Gambit, which we will talk about in a bit. But, get started off, I gotta give Bait an apology. Hashtag bait was right all along. So last week we were talking about Battlefield 5 and kind of some of the woes it's, fe- it's uh, having with low pre-order numbers, like really, really bad pre-order numbers, and commenting that it is being released directly between Black Ops 4 and Red Dead Redemption 2, which are like... Two huge heavy hitters.
2: I would refer to as the Valley of Death.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like like we said before. It was Titanfall two. You know, it kind of had the same the same deal, and it got absolutely pounded. So it was going to come out October nineteenth. And Bate asked me last week. He's like, "So, do you think they'll like delay the release?" And I'm like, "No, there's there's no way. Like, they 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 they're so locked into this that they've got like the marketing going, and it's going hot and heavy. And then like literally twenty four hours later." Battlefield 5 has been delayed from October 19th to November 20th. Um, so Bait was right. Uh, I have to give him apologies for that because he was totally on the mark. But yeah, they're, they're saying that it was, oh, well, we want to improve the game. We think the game is great, but we kind of want to tweak it a little bit more. Sounds like a load of shit to me. They're looking at those numbers and looking at that release window and going, holy shit, we do not want to release the game right then and there. So that's kind of my take on it. What do you guys think? I called it.
2: Yeah, I don't. I think I think that's probably a wise move. It's probably one of the ones where they were like, hey, guys, what do you think? How's it going to go? They're probably, it's my impression, they feel pretty good about the game. But, like I said, they're kind of in the valley of death between two major league tent poles that are gonna, already going to be, like, smashing each other for, you know, for gaming dollars and time. And, and probably they're like, hey, man, if we gave you another couple of weeks to, like, you know, throw a little polish on that, you know, think that's all right? What developer is not going to say yes to that? Uh, So if, if in fact, it was a marketing decision, probably not bad. If it was a decision based on, hey, the game's not where we want, still not a bad call. So there's no downside for this, frankly.
0: Yeah, I think that they, they feature, they've they've faced a lot of issues, I think, with kind of the reveal and the the reception has not been top tier. But I mean, you know, Dice usually does a pretty good job. I think it's gonna be a really solid game. And if it's like, hey, we can put an extra, you know, coat of lipstick on the pig, you know, so to speak, and well, push it out of that that, that
2: window, that's you know, it's gonna be a good thing. Well you you actually kinda hit on something I think that is, is not, not a small factor. Um and I didn't even think about this. Until you just said it, but you're you're right. Like there there was not there was not a lot of like you know major buzz going on about that game when the reveals came out and, and all the kind of the gameplay stuff and you know the real images started coming out. I, and I could I I've, I don't really follow that that game very well or that franchise very well at all. But I do even me like I remember I I distinctly noticed there was a a lack of discussion about that game. It was not in anybody's. In anybody's discussion, when they were talking about hyped games, and I remember there's in the background just this faint discussion about some some something that there's stuff about it people didn't like, but I, I really didn't understand. You guys followed it enough to understand what was going on with it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you're not familiar, you talk about the the what everybody was all upset about for for Battlefield, right?
2: Yeah, right, right.
1: Right. So, so the short of it was that, you know, okay, when you think about Battlefield, what's Battlefield known for, right? Battlefield's known for, obviously, it's destructible environments, but it's, it's quote-unquote historical uh, realism uh, in a shooter. So, um, you know, the, the, the guns being relatively realistic, and then the, uh, the big thing is the, is the time period that it's set in um, being relatively realistic as to, you know, who's fighting when and where. Well, what they did for five was in the, in the reveal trailer. They kind of uh, it started off as this like I don't know alternative history, I guess, where you know you've got people running around with katanas and like cybernetic arms, and uh, there's a there, there's a lady there, and she's got a fucking like. Musket or some shit, right? And then at the end of it, uh, at least I think it was at the end of it, or it might have been in like a uh, like an interview uh, that came out shortly thereafter. They were talking about how it's a World War Two game, and well, that's kind of what threw people off about you know robotic arms and swords and women in World War Two, and and that's that really is, I think, the short of it.
2: Okay, now that that kind of jives with with what I had heard, and I. I... Like, like I said, I don't follow it enough and, I, and frankly I get Battlefield field and battlefront confused more than more than once. Uh, but that but I remember there was something about it, you know, it kind of boiled down to some odd comment of like, oh well there's no like you know, no women in combat in like World War One or War II. That was vaguely the comment that I had heard and there was sort of one of these like, Well, if you don't like it, lump it kind of responses from from the developer. And I just kinda put it on the shelf, but it sounded like there was a lot more to it, a lot more to it than that that fairly simple simple jab.
1: No, not really. Um and and I, I think uh we kinda talked about last week. Um, you know, to where after the developers said that you know, if you don't like it then you know, don't buy the game. Uh that, that really
0: showed or at least don't pre order the game. Uh and
1: well, know, it sounds like,
2: like it listened.
0: Well, and part of that comment was also he called the people that were making the complaints um, that they were uneducated and that they shouldn't buy the game, but they don't like it. It was it was not the best uh, example of PR. It was, it was kind of a poor response. I mean, I get what he was so, going for. So it, but it was Almost
2: you know, as if somebody who deals with ones and zeros and developing a game instead of working with people responded to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why you have people who talk to the goddamn customer so the engineer doesn't have to because... This shit happens yeah it was it was it was ugly yeah it, it, i think that's really the comment that really got people it wasn't even the the breaking of immersion that kind of started the buzz but then ea's response to it was just like you could have done a better job with that one guys legit and this one's coming up pretty quick after battlefield one right bait like it was like battlefield was like two years ago on the, on on the, the mark on the Mar- right
1: yeah, that sounds right. Um, typically, I think think uh, Call of Duty and, and and Battlefield come out about this time. Uh, I want to say Battlefield One came out maybe September of twenty sixteen. Might have even been twenty seventeen. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's slowly starting to become a, a a yearly release thing. It's just fine. I mean, I think those games are they're not poorly made games. I don't think. Um. So, I mean, yeah, about a year or two.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean, because uh, yeah, it looks like it was two years ago uh, for Battlefield One. The whole naming thing is confusing because it went from like one, two, three, four, then to one, then to five. I, it, anyways, yeah. but d- I'm also looking back at kind of the release dates because Battlefield Three, which is one that I kind of demo but never really played, I've never been big in the series. That came out in 2011, and then four came out exactly two years later, and people would complain that it was kind of rushed and they didn't really care for it. And I'm concerned that this has happened again because, you know, Battlefield 1 came out exactly two years ago. Now this one's coming out, and it's already kind of put a bad taste in people's mouths. I'm worried that their sales are going to actually really suffer for a lot of this.
2: Well, just newsflash, I don't know if you've looked at anything going on from October on, but the game slate doesn't get any better for them. There's, there's There's like a thin window between that october and december before anything really heavy hitting goes but you're looking at anthem coming around the corner right after that you're looking at a lot of stuff that's going to be pounding right after that i like there. i mean in a weird way there's no good time to put a game out i mean you you better hope your product you better work to make your product the best you can market the hell out of it and then you you know you got to roll the dice yeah, I don't
1: think that the twentieth will be a, an awful release date for for Battlefield Five. Um, in in the grand scheme of things, I'm looking here at the uh, at uh, VG Twenty Four Sevens kind of like calendar for the rest of the year. And, and I mean, the the biggest things in November um, are like the week before and then a couple of days after. The 20th, so, uh, I don't know. Hitman 2 is the 13th of November, and then Fallout 76 is the 14th. Uh, new 40K game is the 15th, um, and then Battlefield 5 is on the 20th. And then a week later is like Darksiders 3. And then whenever the Battletech expansion drops, but I don't expect that to be like a big competitor. Um for, for, for battlefield but I mean I, I think they picked a fine day um, it will be interesting though to see how fallout 76 uh, kind of affects um, uh, battlefield I think that'll be something to watch
0: yeah I think that I think Jay's right that the year is pretty well stacked and you know, we already commented that uh, q1 of 2019 is absolutely packed as well I think November was probably the only time they really had at this point. I think that the, the biggest competition will probably be Fallout 76, but that one's also really rocky. if People are going to like it or not. So, you know, I, I think that the spot they picked is probably as good as it's going to get. Um, but uh, yeah, because December is even full too. Looking at, let me see here.
2: Oh yeah, You got yeah, Persona coming out in December. And yeah. A couple, it's like, I think Smash Smash Brothers is going to take a lot of the air out of the room for for gaming in December, though.
0: Yeah, and that's coming out. So- Uh, December 7th so I mean they've only got a couple weeks in between you know that and Battlefield and they're going to want to avoid early November because you've got Red Dead coming out on the 26th I think of October Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's for the next couple weeks after that it's going to be packs I mean they're they got like a sweet spot but that that's it I mean any later they'd be running into December which is bad and then like I said the first like four months of 2019 is going to be absolutely stacked as well what
1: um so besides Anthem what's hitting in uh Q1 of uh 2019?
2: Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh uh, no
1: shit, really?
3: It's pretty stacked. Yeah, that's
2: like I think that's like mid mid-late January. Uh, Anthem follows up in February. Probably Zero maybe two. maybe early March. Metro Exodus Crackdown 3, uh The Division 2. You know, you got you got some you got a lot of stuff coming up in that early, you Division. know, that early window that that could Again, take some air out of the room, and that doesn't count. You know any of the existing games trying to make big DLC pushes during that window either. So, like I said, it's it's a good problem to have if you're a cons- if you're a consumer, if you're dice. I mean, they've got a good track record, and they make good games. Don't I mean, just because I don't follow the game that game franchise that much doesn't mean I'm not entirely unfamiliar with their product. They do good work. I mean, the the simple fact is, you know, the the market has a lot of product out there that you did we get to pick from. Um, and like I said, you got you do know, a studio has to do their best and they got to take their shot and they've got to do a good job of marketing things. And, and in the shooter genre, they are like I said, you know, call of duty, battlefield battlefront. And then, you know, you named just those three alone, not counting anything else that, you know, that's a ridiculous amount of, you know, people competing for basically the exact same game market Need throw shit on, shit on like Fortnite, Overwatch, and things like that. It's there. There's not a lot of air in the room. You know what I mean? So I think they just got to go roll with their best best shot and see how it goes.
0: Yeah, no, it's an absolutely saturated market, and it's I don't I don't pity the marketing guys that have to think, you know find the right spot to drop these things in because it is it is so stacked. I mean, just looking at uh, the first three months next year, there's five games I want to buy that I'm interested in for the first three months and that that's and they're not just like quickie you know go through them once games they're like they're like big titles that you're going to invest a lot of time in and when you've got people that are in this gaming kind of as a service model there's a large time you know investment and it's difficult to actually win someone over i mean it's kind of like they say you only have one mmo you play because there's no way you can play two of them under a normal schedule and i think it's it's kind of turning into that where these kind of these mmo lights where it's like you're going to be playing the same game for six months, you know, on a regular cadence. And it's, it's tough to pull people away from that to play something else, which is going to ask the same thing of them. So it's tough. All right. So moving along here, uh, we got to make fun of star citizen because, uh, Zell isn't here. So new controversy of the week. So star citizen has a convention, kind of similar to like E fan fest or like TenoCon, And it's called CitizenCon, And Big Sounds community. like a bunch of criminals. Yep. Kits and blow everywhere.
3: Money, <laughs> money, 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 money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and speaking of money, the plan was that if you wanted, so you, if you, it's a convention you physically go to, you can pay to go there. Fine, cool. If you want to watch the stream of the convention, it's going to cost you twenty bucks. Unless you're concierge level, what? which are means ser-
2: are you serious? Yeah, no. no. I didn't, okay, I. True statement. I did not look at any show notes and I frankly don't know if we even produced any for the show but 20 bucks to 20
0: watch bucks. the stream? To watch the stream. Oh my and god! It, it's, it's, it's not even like FanFest, like eFanFest where it's like the stream is free and like the HD version is 20 bucks. It's like, no, if you want to participate Chris it's $20. Rogers
2: snorting diamond dust now? Jesus <laughs> Christ!
3: Apparently, right?
0: So, so, the reasoning behind it was uh, that, oh, well we, we're doing more stuff at the convention this year and having like oh multiple stages presenting and that costs money so you know we, we had to make up the cost somehow by charging you know our our streamers 20 dollars to watch the stream because the 190 million they've raised so far is apparently not enough to cover you know the, the six texts they need to like run the stream so people freak the hell out over this understandably because they're like really like you've already like nickel and dimed us to death and not really produced an actual game and you're gonna charge us 20 bucks to watch the damn stream that we want to watch to support your game to give you more money but you're gonna charge us for it so people are freaking the hell out and chris roberts gets on he's like well you know it's cost money and we have to offset the cost somehow because you know whatever he's like so what we'll do is we'll make the opening and the closing keynote free but you got to pay if you want to watch the rest of it and, um that didn't go so well either people were still kind of freaking out so the next day he came on and said, "Okay, I slept on it. We'll make the whole thing free, and we'll just move everything to one stage, and and just cut back on on personnel." I'm like, "Okay." So apparently, it was it was that easy that you could snap your fingers and go, "Actually, we don't have to do this." Call bullshit. Like, like it's it's going up his nose, guys. Like all of it. I, I don't I don't believe that he actually needs this money for what he's trying to do. It's just a nice way to squeeze a little bit more out of all the people watching this game. It's it's duh.
1: It's, so, how many days? Or like, how long is this? Uh, is this because FanFest is a couple of days long? You know, it's just for some for some reference. I think BlizzCon like is you know is more than like a day long. So, I, how many days is this thing?
3: Uh, Let me look, look here.
0: I have so many questions.
3: I mean, do you get like a, a whole like seasonal pass to it?
0: So, I I, I pulled up the. The schedule for it, and it, it looks like, like it? it's one day.
3: Oh, <sighs> oh, Oh, my God. How much are the tickets? 20 bucks. No, no, no. no I mean, like, how much are the actual tickets? Like, oh, what shit. percentage are they asking of the actual ticket price? uh Let me see here. Too
1: much. So, where is it?
0: I think it's in Austin, Texas.
3: It's in Texas, yeah.
1: Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Cool city for such a scumbag to have an event.
0: I'm, I'm very well prepared for this. Hold no, on, it's on.
1: okay, Pokey. I, I was actually doing some thinking just now, and I think we need to start charging people uh, to listen to the podcast. So we're just going to ask, guys, from, from henceforth, from Biomass episode 200, whatever the fuck this is, onward, right, for the rest of eternity. We're going to we're gonna have to ask you all to, to PayPal us. Um, just, you know, 10, 15 bucks, whatever your heart desires. Um, and then we will then email you a direct link to the podcast with the show notes uh, for that episode, and you just do that this is not a No, not at all. And we we, we just do that, and uh, and that's how we can get y'all to, to get on that podcast train,
3: right? And if you pay an extra ten dollars, you'll actually get it on Sunday. Everyone else gets it Tuesday.
0: Oh damn, yeah. <laughs> so it's a hundred thirty dollars. There's to go no will Oh this.
3: hell. Oh.
0: Well, I think I think Fan Fest for Eve is about that much. Yeah,
3: but it's not even a game. It's true. That it also lasts
0: three days. That is true.
3: <laughs> so it's hundred and twenty-one. About... I'm like losing my shit right now.
0: And and they, they they clarify that the tickets cannot be purchased with store credit. So if you've gotten a refund by some act of God, you don't get to use that to go to the the convention. You still have to pay cash for. It. Just just so you're aware, you can't use store credit.
1: Holy shit! I don't even have to fly to Iceland either.
2: Yeah. Hey, for the record, you can actually use uh, uh, Plex to pay for most of what you do at uh, FanFest and EVE in yep. another country. Yep, just, you just can actually <laughs>
0: play the game to get the in-game currency to buy the Plex to use to go to their event for free. If If, Wait, you, right. if, if you do it that way. Damn it. But yeah, that's that's how like a normal company does it and it's kind of cool. And then there's Star Citizen, which does it the shitty way, which is the opposite, where you have to pay for everything. Um, but I mean I guess in the grand scheme of things, like when, when Zell talks about the reasonable price of a ship is like five hundred dollars. I mean, shit, ticket to the convention convention's only 130 bucks. Like your 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 ammunition for your ship probably costs that much. So that's cheap. Cheap. Do cheap. You, do you get a ship for going to the to the oh, thing? Oh, I doubt it, dude. Come on. Come on, oh, come on, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's re- their bread and butter. You get a PG
3: <laughs> <DG laughs> for ten dollars. Oh shit! Like, like I think the
0: cheapest ship they have is still like forty-five bucks. So, like, if that's included in the price, <laughs> like, well, for uh, all uh, these people
1: bitching about Battlefield Five, maybe we should just tell them to go buy a fucking ship and Star Citizen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that. That's. I, I mean, you, you'll get the ship eventually. eventually. It may not have a game attached to it, but you will get a ship that you can look at. That is their policy. So you know. So yeah, that's that's the fun weekly controversy around Star Citizen is that, uh, you know, after getting punched in the face repeatedly online, they finally reversed the decision to you know, charge people to watch something on the internet because you know that's normally something that you do for free. Uh, so yeah, that's that's fun stuff. Um, but just kind of on the ongoing saga then trying to melt just a little bit of extra cash out of you to fund their uh, their drug addiction
1: can we get a jingle every time we talk about star citizen like just I, playing I, in the I, background
0: we could probably record jay doing his bit i mean i've got <laughs> like the whole like uh, star citizen mining thing like as a separate thing you can download on the website so um we could we could get something and kind of pasted in there, and there perfect all right let's talk about a good game now uh so cyberpunk 2077 um jay i know you you saw you mentioned earlier today but babe have you looked at the gameplay trailer for this thing yet no, I did see somebody talk about new
1: gameplay, and I thought for some reason that it was Like, like, that we like, had already like 48 started.
2: minutes of gameplay.
1: Okay, so then is this the gameplay that all those the those journos at E3 were talking about that they saw behind closed doors? It, it,
2: this is a slightly different version. It, it, it's basically the same thing, but with a little different playthrough. So that this is what they... Okay. That's my understanding. It's, it's very much the same. But they take like one or two different story choices in the gameplay.
0: Okay, but yeah, holy shit! Like this looks awesome. Like it looks really cool. Like I haven't played The Witcher, so I know people are up in of shape about it. But like just from my outside perspective, this looks really, really cool. It's like Ghost in the Shell had a baby with Fallout, and it's all in this beautiful city. You know, it it looks fantastic. What did you, What'd you say? say?
2: Um, this this definitely has the early potential to be, you know, one of those kind of watershed games that you kind of like Mark generations by. And I, and I'm I'm not no hyperbole here. Um, if they deliver on this game and it is in the vein that they showed in that roughly 48 minutes of gameplay, which was basically an alpha build, by the way, um, If if that game delivers on that on what they showed, uh, this is going to be in this it'll be spoken of in the same vein that we talk about Witcher, like particularly Witcher three, the same vein we talk about like Mass Effect, like uh, you know Mass Effect one and two in particular, Um, you know that that level of uh, of game. So if I were going to sum this up, I would say. If you when you when you look at the gameplay elements that they highlighted, uh, we, we need to talk about the world building. It that's a, that's a, we'll get to that in a minute and hold on the topic of discussion. But when you look at the gameplay elements, it looks a lot like uh sex, but times fifty um, in terms of like the style of gameplay. It it looks a lot like maybe Prey or or some of what you thought Prey Two was going to be. But I'm, I'm, that that game's not even coming out anymore. Um, definitely some Grand Theft Auto kind of vibes in it uh, in terms of like the openness of what you can do uh, and and all of the story hallmarks that that Witcher and those classic Bioware offerings would bring a um, l- lot of heavy duty, bl- you know, kind of Blade Runner overtones, but with a, a very distinct style to it that's not carbon copy from your, you know, when you say Cyberpunk, most people will quickly gravitate to uh, you know, like a Blade Runner picture. You know, like certain sci-fi stuff, things like that. It definitely has a lot of that, those kind of notes in it. But it's 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 got a unique feel to it, and they made some really interesting artistic choices. For example, they highlight what the city looks like during the daytime, which is something you rarely, if ever, see in any in any other cyberpunk style venue. Um, I, I was very impressed. The game uh clearly is not running on a current gen console it's it's, it's <laughs> no clearly not doing that um very very smooth in terms of there i mean there's no loading screens in it basically your loading screen is basically you in the elevator or whatever it's that kind of classic sort of you know uh facade loading screen i think where you transition fairly seamlessly in and out of environments um The dialogue is pretty deep. There's a lot of story choice already and just what they're highlighting. A lot of different combat mechanics. Um, And they highlight, like particularly towards the back half, a lot of the really, really... I think what was demonstrated was in-game combat. The end-game, not in-game, but end-game combat mechanics. Like where you get... You're just, you know, like a Terminator, just, you know, slash Cuisinart just flying through like a... Uh, like a warehouse just slaying people. I think that's very much pinnacle level, like skill trees type stuff that they were showing off in that part, but just the story and the, and just the way they're building it. I, I am, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that I'm sold, but I'm telling you if they deliver on this and if they, I think if there's a studio that can, it's probably CD project red. Um, this, this is, this has the potential to be one of those like generational watershed games Uh, That would mark things like, you know, the PS5, Xbox, you know, next gen kind of console is what my opinion is. And I think we're still we're still easily a year out from this thing easily, maybe two years. Um, But it it was a very, very, uh, very promising model of what a game could be in today's world is what what I would say about it.
0: Yeah, I think it was hitting on pretty much everything that I was looking for to, to hit on. You you kind of mentioned the world building before, and I, I got to say that was really, really cool to see. I mean, just kind of just in the cursory walk through the city you know, in the very short bit you go uh, through the mission they were showing off. It was just like, wow, like the, the level of depth and detail and the things you can go. And, you know, if what they're saying is true about how like individual NPCs have like their own day night cycle where you might have to be you know, at a certain time during the day to actually catch them there. um, That's fantastic. Like, to really feel like it's it's actually like a living, breathing city and not just kind of this like, oh, this guy's always standing here all the time. Um, That's fantastic. And I think that what they were kind of showing off with, you know, in, in the gameplay where they're going through and they're saying, okay, here's your objective and here's like 12 different things you can do differently to reach... The end of the objective, but for this example, we're gonna you know call this person first and meet with them here, and we're gonna say this. And because we did that, you know, did that, we get this effect and this causes this to be easier or this could be harder. Um, and then as you're going through the mission, it's like, yeah, if we had gone the other direction, this might have gone really poorly. And it was just kind of cool to see kind of break down, like, hey, there's a lot of ways you can approach this. And I do hope that it's not too handholdy, where it's kind of like a, you know. <laughs> Here's the three options from the wheel you pick. You know, I want to do A, B, or C. It's kind of like, okay, here's a slew of information you have. How do you actually want to go about getting what you need to, to, you know, pull this mission off? And it just seemed really, really cool. Like, I don't know how that's going to translate into the end. But, you know, if it actually can find the final product actually is representative of what they were showing – it looks so good. Like this is the kind of game that I could get lost in for a really long time and a lot of replay value because there's tons of options for role-playing, how you want to build your character. Um, kind of what you were showing at the talking about at the end there, like all of the high-level skills that they were showing off. It's like crazy stuff. Like you go and you hack this guy so his hands don't work so he can't fire his gun anymore, and then you tackle the other guy with these like, crazy mantis arms, and it, it just looked awesome. It's kind of everything you want to see in, in a cyberpunk game but it's not like a total carbon copy like you said of blade runner or something else it's got this nice mix of things that you would expect but definitely presents in a way that has its very own unique flair and character to it and they've just done a fantastic job with it and i'm so glad to see that after so long they've really delivered on something that i i'm very impressed with
2: yeah i mean the the world itself is ex- extremely dense i mean there is a lot going on and and i and again i think their choice of highlighting like your first real taste of the world is in broad daylight, you know, like 11 o'clock in the morning, broad daylight, blue skies out. And it it just makes everything pop. Like the entire city. It's a, it's a very, very different, it's a very subtle, you think very, very, very subtle choice, but it highlights so many things. And I, I, again, that, that world was incredibly dense. Just in terms of the the number of unique NPCs, they all had something different going on. And when I say the unique number, I mean like it looked like a city. Like mm-hmm. like downtown Detroit, like a city. It, it was pretty it's pretty impressive. In terms of the gameplay stuff, like the combat, again, it looked, it, it was not I mean, I, I would not call it revolutionary. I mean, there's a lot of stuff been done in combat before combat games before that you will see and recognize. But for a company that generally doesn't make first person games, I was like, it gave me some good vibes. Now I did find a couple things out. Um, They did hire quite a few people from Bungie uh, to help them craft their first person shooter experience, which is, I did not really, I did not know that until this afternoon I did. I was doing some checking on some things. And apparently that that's, that's a real thing. They went out and found uh, people that, that, you know, with good street cred on how do you build shooters, and brought them into to a lot of the mechanical parts of it. The actual author and creator of Cyberpunk 2077, the the actual RPG that this game is, is based on, um, is very much part of the part of the creative team, which is a, a really cool touch. Uh, you know, and it definitely gets a lot of the vibe right from what I remember of uh, Cyberpunk 2077 back, like when I was in high school. So. There's a, there's a lot going on with it, like I said, but it's, it's very, very, very promising. And, and I, again, I, I can't stress enough, I think, I think we're looking at you know, late 2019 at the earliest is when we would see this. Uh, and it absolutely would not surprise me if it was a uh, next-gen sort of early tent pole kind of game.
0: Yeah, this this you know sounds almost like a PS5 launch title or something that they're going to really, gonna kinda really push, kind of push. You know, whenever that comes out, and it's it's not going to be anytime soon. Like you said, a, a year absolute minimum. I'd probably gander it sometime in 2020, but you know, depending on how fast they move. I know CD Projekt Red isn't a huge team, but uh, you know, it, it's shaped up to look really good. And, and that's actually a good a good bit of info you had on on them kind of contracting Bungie to help with some of the FPS stuff because. You know, Destiny Two is, is really smooth in terms of the actual shooting mechanics. So, you know, if they've got some of that talent on the team, that's really good to hear.
1: This shit looks crazy. I've, I've been skipping through the gameplays everybody's been talking about. This is really tight looking. I'm I'm happy with this.
2: Even, even, like even if that was just you know the PC version and like you got like a lesser cut on a console, that's still a phenomenal game. Like straight like, up.
0: And Another point that I wanted to make is that a lot of people were complaining about the first-person perspective, like really throwing a fit about it, and I was like, eh, for a cyberpunk game, I'd actually want to be in first-person. And they said, like, hey, there's a reason why we chose that, you know, it's 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 more immersive. And I, I, I bought into it, people were really against it. But then there's a scene, and you might come across it, Bait, where your character is getting a cybernetic implant for their eyes, and so, it, literally, they pop the eye out of your character's head and put a new one in. But there's a point at which um, the eye is kind of like the new one is kind of sitting like off to the side, and so the camera cuts to the eye because it's it's your eye, right? And then you actually see it being reimplanted in your head. And it's like you can only really get that if it was truly first person, and just that, that kind of stuff is so cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, and, and the way they've structured a lot of the dialogue exchanges that you have. The first person it, it only works in first person because there, there's a lot of detail in the character models, like in the facial expressions. It's it's like the like the anti Andromeda, if you will. Um, like the, one caught me. It was when the the corporate agent is hooking you up with this with this deal, and she's she's definitely like a in the words of my sainted grandmother, a bitch, um, and she hands you the data chip and you know like the little little drug deal exchange goes down and there's this like really slight blink and you miss it and just smirk she gives you after she hands you this this data chip that has got like a virus on it and it's it's those very very intimate touches that you only get in that first person uh exchange you're in there making a deal with these uh tech tech people that you're you're eventually going to kill them all but basically you're you're trying to like make friends with these people f- for just long enough to get the deal done to like calm everybody down cuz your partner's about to blow, his, blow somebody's face off and then a guy offers you a hit of drugs and you you basically make the choice to do do some drugs with, with this other guy to calm everybody in the room down and and, and just the exchange between the ganger and you v- probably 7 7 seconds seconds of dialogue maybe really good but you only get that in a first person view
0: and i also really liked how some of the some of the actions you can take when you're in a situation involve you actually looking at some particular part of the screen. So like, um, it's not just like, like I said, pull up like a radial menu and you just pick what you want to do. It was almost kind of like a, okay, do I look at my partner and say something to him? Do I look at the guy I'm talking to and say something? Or do I look down at my gun that I've got in my, in my holster and pull the gun on him? And it, it's almost kind of like your character looking around, kind of deciding what to do, and that's the choice you make. That is really cool. Kind of like you actually have to notice something in order to interact with it, from what's going on screen and that kind of like really in the character's head immersion so good it looks so awesome and you really got to watch the gameplay i think to get what i'm talking about but it looked fantastic like it's a really cool way of doing choices in a dialogue rather than just you know kind of like the like you said like a bioware you know just go down camera pans to a wide shot of the character's face and you pick an option this is way more intimate and it's really really cool
2: okay lily what would you think because we all know you watch watch the video too right no.
3: <laughs>
0: She's shaking her head in shame because I watched it.
3: Uh, I, I wanted to, but I just never got around to it. But I plan on it. I'll oh, make
2: her do, do it
0: after that. the show.
2: Good. Good stuff. Oh, and by the way, for the record, this is definitely going to be rated M for mature. Like, like oh, for real?
0: Yeah. Between the drugs and the nudity and the the gore, yeah, I think it's probably a safe assumption. Like,
1: dude, there was like, I mean, there was just. Yeah, this is this is definitely a mature, really good. Oh my so, god, so fucking good!
2: At, at like at one point, uh, you, you're on your character's like, I mean, like again, they've got her maxed out probably in the skill tree. She's running, jumps up on a catwalk, and does the, kind of the standard shotgun slide, and uses this basically like the Doom Super Two Shot Shotgun. Blows a guy's leg clean off, uh-huh. and it's all in slow mo time. And you hear him going "Jesus Christ, my leg!" As he's falling down, and then she like she hit the second round and and took the entire top of his head off, and and then it zips back out of bullet time. It, it just it's so there's that, but there's a lot of other things going on too, uh, like between language and graphic violence, and it doesn't shy away from. Like you know, adult situations at all. It's uh, it's definitely gonna be a big people game, I think.
1: Nah, like my favorite though was like you're coming up behind. Like just the little things in this thing were so cool. Like there were a couple, There was one. I think it was right there toward the beginning where like you're sneaking up behind this dude, and he's like over, over like a little tub of water, or whatever. When you go to like, I think it was like a takedown or something. You come up behind him, you shove his face in the water, and then you slide your gun under the water to his head. And you just fucking blow his brains. That was really cool. Um It's it for, like, you know, a takedown or whatever. And then there's another one where she's got, like, motherfucking spider legs or whatever coming out of her damn arms. And she's up on the side of the wall, and she disables this one guy's gun so it jams or whatever. And then, uh like, jumps down and puts one of the spider arms through the other guy's head, and it kills it. The- it was just, just awesome.
2: Yeah. Yep, you definitely got it. You gotta watch this from soup to nuts, though. Like the dialogue is really good. It's 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 legit. It's it's definitely legit.
0: Yeah, and they did a fantastic job of walking you through kind of how your thought process a player would be, and it's just fantastic. And they were very clear, like, "Hey, this is in alpha. Like this shit's gonna change, but we wanted to kind of show you what we're doing." And it's it's well worth the watch. It's like it's pretty long, but I mean, like I said, just one mission, like from start to finish, was forty eight minutes long, more or less. That's a lot pretty solid like hey, that's
2: um, the traditional host, you message see the, i'm sorry go ahead
0: no, no go ahead
2: did you see the character creator uh component
0: oh yeah i was like i'm, I'm gonna see. spend like six hours in there it's gonna be great it really is, is a
2: really really deep character creator uh like really deep and they've and there's there's like seven like seven or eight kind of basic character classes in the, in the tabletop rpg and they you know they've obviously kind of Shied away from it, but they have you know basically like an Elder Scrolls style um, tech uh, you know tree where it's it's kind of you know you can skill into whatever you want, but it's um, you know there's certain certain things like synergize better in terms of the classic roles of the game you know um, so it's 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 pretty deep. I'll, I'll be interested to see what what their uh, what their capacity is for skill customization, stuff like that, but for cosmetics and gear, there's a a, a ton of customization apparently, in, in terms of character choice.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the replayability is going to come, because you can really tweak and, and go a lot of different routes to build the character the way you want it to be, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited for for that, just from the visual as well as the gameplay, so it's going to be pretty badass. Alright, so we'll of course be covering that one moving forward. I'm very excited for that, but it's going to be a ways off. So we'll we'll keep you posted on any new stuff that comes out, but it is definitely worth the watch for that trailer. However, let's talk Destiny 2 Forsaken, because there's a lot of stuff. We held off on a few things last week. Jay couldn't make it, but we're gonna talk about it now. Um, as well as kind of uh the August 28th sandbox update that went through kind of in prep for Forsaken, as well as the new Gambit preview that came out on Saturday for one day where you could play the new Gambit game mode. Um, even if you didn't buy Forsaken you could try it out and that was that was a lot of fun so good to talk about so trailers i think that's probably a good place to start so jay what did you think of kind of the launch trailer for the forsaken expansion
2: uh it's pretty on point i i would say you are getting so, so basically the strategy that bungie's taking right now is uh, they're not dribbling out any content. I mean, they're definitely pouring on, like, here's what is going on in the story. Here's here's all the things you're going to experience. The, the, today, I think they just released another... Today or yesterday, they, they released 24 minutes of gameplay in one of the new strikes, highlighting a lot of the new classes and how things work in... you know, like, how it feels to, to fight in-game now. It's good. I mean, the story looks killer. Uh, the worlds that they're building are markedly different than anything else we've seen in terms of like the, the geography you're playing in. Uh, again, can't, you know, I, I think, I think they're, they're, they're on point. And I heard a comment or I saw, correction, saw a comment online that I thought was pretty telling. They're confident enough in what they, what they're putting out. Uh, Cause somebody said, Hey, well, what, what's, you know, a, you know, really like all this stuff, but you know, we, we wouldn't it be kind of cool to go in a little bit more blind. And one of their, I think it was one of their community managers, uh, or their their, no, their creative director. He basically said, "We we feel strongly enough about this, we don't mind showing you this much because we know how much you haven't seen yet." That's a pretty bold statement, you know. That, that's 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 a strong that's a strong statement. But yeah, the trailer looking killer. Uh, there's a lot going on from the story standpoint that I think you're going to see a lot of interesting changes. Uh, Gambit is not just another kind of game mode. There's a lot of story pieces involved in Gambit as well. Then um, there's some spoiler stuff we won't, you know we won't get into that apparently has just been data mined. That particularly in the next exp- in the next DLC, it's going to be a lot of Gambit related backstory and like mission quests and things like that. There's a lot more going on with the Drifter, who by the way, definitely going to be my next favorite in- NPC for real. Like I like that dude. I don't know how much you heard, but my mic cut out. Sorry. No, you're you're good, man. So that that was that was my general thoughts in the trailer. It, it's looking very, very, very sharp. Uh, the byplay between the Vanguard, and particularly Ikora and uh, Zavala, as they're basically standing over Cade's body in his funeral, killer. And then, for the record, for the first time in five years, your guardian talks. Pretty pretty fucking cool. It it takes a traumatic event. It did. Hey, do you guys know who who uh, who the voice actor is that you heard? Uh, it sounds so
0: familiar, but I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on it. It's high noon. Oh, it's uh, Stop. McCree from uh, yes, Overwatch. Overwatch,
2: who is also uh, Saladin in uh, uh the uh, Iron Banner guy. Yeah, uh, that has to
0: be it, yeah.
1: Matt Mercer, right? It's the dude's name. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, dude. Critical Role. I don't know if it's just kind of you know, getting away from the Destiny real quick. Crit- he's he's the DM. On uh, on Geek and Sundry's critical role. Oh, oh shit, uh, shit! Yeah, it's the same guy. You know dude, that? that is a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, shit's awesome. But yeah, that's that's him. He's the DM, the voice of McCreed, and all this other stuff. Mind blown.
2: Yeah. So so the so there's two things actually. They uh, they did come out with a trailer, but they also had the, a second vidoc, which is kind of a bungee term for video documentary. You know, it's about seven eight eight minutes of, and it really was focused on what happens after Forsaken. Um, And they highlighted a couple things uh, again that I thought think it's pretty important to note. They're very plain, and they said, "Hey, look, we made we made some serious mistakes with with the first year Destiny two. We think we got a lot of things right, but it's clear we got a lot of things wrong. So what they basically they they very clearly and very directly said, we think uh, we are with Forsaken. We are at a point where we've got the best of Destiny one and the best of that the first year of Destiny two merged together now." And, and where we are exactly where we want to be, which was, again, pretty pretty telling statement that they're willing to you know that they're coming out and saying they this is where we think our game was and where we think it's going to be. Uh, they highlighted kind of the you know what the next DLCs are going to be. Um, one's definitely it's much more going into the story behind the Drifter and what's going on with that, which I think that that is going to be much much bigger than we think it is right now in terms of how the story unfolds and, and perhaps. There's a lot of speculation, but perhaps even a new, uh, like new, El- like kind of power structure, like like game power structure, in terms of uh, your light or your you know your space magic, like a whole new style of space magic maybe coming in because of that. Um, Black Armory is another one which is going to talk about a lot of golden age tech and weapons, so expect like you know all, all of these are going to come with a smash of exotics, maps, and all kind of other stuff dropping onto it. The third one, which has got a lot of people talking, is called Penumbra, and they were like, "Hey, well, we know you guys like like secrets. You guys like Whisper of the Worm. You, you guys like which is this really just incredible like twenty minute quest uh, quest mission or raid mission basically to get this just killer weapon, uh, and, and you have to discover all these things. So well, we know you guys like that. So that's going to be the third DLC, and that's all we're going to tell you about it. So basically, the third DLC, which is more or less summer of next year um it's going to the patch is going to go in and you have to figure out what's in it which i think is fucking genius on their part like they're not going to tell you anything if you want to figure out what's in the patch you've got to play the game number one and two you've got to discover the secrets Uh, that is a great idea
0: yeah, That was that was a bit of a, a ballsy move, I think, on their part, um, but I mean, if you buy the season pass, you kind of have to get that one, you can't just pick or choose, so they can kind of do that, because they're like, well, you're buying this with the understanding that you're going to get two packs, but you know what they are, and then the third one is kind of this grab bag. That could be kind of cool. I mean, I kind of talked about that with the Death Stranding's thing with um, Hideo Kojima, like, he should just release the game without telling anyone what it's actually about, and just see how it goes. I think this could actually be kind of a lot of fun
2: in the same way. Yeah. So overall, I, I thought it was pretty great. Um, Livy, what do you think?
3: I, I guess what bugs me the most is the different trailers, kind of showing a different scene. I, I read too much into it. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the mm-hmm.
2: I think one of them was definitely more of a like a for show cinematic. I think the the gunslinger last stand, and this one is much more of what what's really going on. Because I think. There was Gunslinger's Last Stand, and then what you saw, where he said, uh, you know, that infamous line, which was actually revealed at E3 but was not released to the public, where he said, "How's your sister?" Um, yeah, that happens very directly after the Gunslinger, uh, the Gunslinger fight that you saw last week. that's my understanding. Anyway, so let's go full speculation on this one
0: then. <laughs> um, do you think that? Aldrin is actually an evil dude or is he doing all of this for a reason? That's not as nefarious as you probably are assuming it is. I think
2: uh, yeah, I think 100% that he is going to have what he thinks and may in fact resonate as a as an okay reason from his point of view for doing what he's doing. But that still doesn't mean we're not going to want to shoot him in the face. Oh no, I mean like And I bet you straight money at some point there's going to be a lot of discussion about like are you really a good guy guardian? I don't know. <laughs> Pretty much, and, right? And in fact, that—that's a lot of what the drifter is bringing in. A lot of what he's bringing in.
0: Yeah, I think that you know you'll you'll definitely shoot Aldrin in the face. But I mean, our our joke is kind of our our play group, as you know, is we're probably the bad guy whenever something kind of weird pops up because it's like I I don't know if what we're doing is necessarily the best thing. Aliens, persons. aliens. um but i mean if you just reading a little bit into like Aldrin's backstory and like how he kind of acquires this house of fallen and and kind of builds this army and he's like no the the queen would be happy that i'm doing this like he knows because they're like connected you know uh, telepathically he's like i know that this is what she would want and i never took her as kind of this like yeah let's just kill the vanguard because you know reasons it was always kind of like there's this grand plan of what needs to happen um and i feel like it's he he feels he has to do this because like even when he shoots cade you know cade kind of comes back with the whole you know how's your sister thing he kind of closes his eyes like he doesn't even actually look at cade while he shoots him and i'm, I'm always kind of reading into like does he actually really want to kill him or is it just a i've got to do this and i you know i'm going to pull the trigger and play my role as the villain but it is to cause a chain of events to happen which will probably end in him dying because i mean let's be honest it'd be really cool to kind of have a a fight against him at the end but uh, i'm really curious i feel like if you if you put a major character death like as the front poster of hey this is what the expansion is about it almost seems and and maybe i'm giving Bungie too much credit here but it almost seems like there's meant to be more behind that and that your motivation as a person to obviously play the expansion and, and get emotionally involved to get revenge it's that's what they they want to kind of trick you into doing because that as what the character is doing is not really the best, but it is what needs to happen. I, I, I'm I'm rambling here, but I think there's more going on than what we what we see, and I'm really curious to see if this pans out to be much more interesting than just a revenge thing. You know,
3: well maybe his sister's still alive and he's doing this to say her.
0: Well, I think in in, in we could probably ask uh, Jay's son because he probably knows better than I do, um, but. My understanding is that her body is gone, like she got wiped out on the assault of the Dreadnought, but her her mind or soul or whatever is in a hive ascended realm, so she's there, she exists, not physically, but she's still around, Um, and that's how she's kind of connected to Aldrin, and and perhaps he's doing what she cannot physically, Um, but yeah, it's pure speculation, but I am really curious to see where they go with it, because it could be actually a pretty good twist if it's way more than just a revenge plot, you know? But you did mention the, the the Wanderer Jay, and I think that kind of is a good segue into what's going on with the Gambit game mode and kind of what our thoughts on you know the uh, the preview that we had on Saturday. So we'll we'll, we'll start with Libby because I think that you know you haven't talked enough, so we'll get you in there. What do you think of the Gambit game mode?
3: I liked it, um, especially when you can. Uh, I always say choose to just do PVE. Um, geez, I don't know. I don't know how many opinions I have on it. I, I do like it. I like the fire team of four instead of six, instead of three. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but I can't pick any super highs or super lows about it. Okay.
0: right, Jay, what would you think?
2: All right. Looks like the other team's pulling the head. You, you suck.
3: Except for that guy, Matthew McConaughey, announcing – the, uh, the game is actually quite interesting and why he has bits and pieces of things in the area. That, that, there we go. That's where I, my mind went on that one.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's pretty legit. And by the way, I'm not joking when I said that. That's literally, it's literally a line. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that was the... Uh, the he has the, the, definitely the, the, already the capability of being the most interesting NPC in the game. Uh, I think. And they've done more in twenty four hours of random gameplay to to get people interested in a character uh, than they have in, in years, like with any of the existing ones. So
3: Especially someone more um was it authentic than Shaxx, you know, he's like, You can do it. This guy's like, Oh, come on, really? Like well,
2: Sha Shaq sounds like a almost like the boom shakalaka guy from NBA Jam. <laughs> yeah, he does he does. From downtown, you know, it's <laughs> True. Like, okay, all right, I, I get you. Um, but the drifter, he he he, sounds like a he, he. literally sounds like Matthew McConaughey. You know, like came out of a biker bar, or or like an old west sort of, you know, setting. And that's definitely the vibe they're going for. And Forsaken, really cool character, a lot of good lines. Uh, so gameplay itself, really good. I do like the the options of uh, so here. Here's my my general take on this. I mean, you guys, I'm, I'm, this is a big macro. I'm not gonna go to explaining like the the mechanics of the game necessarily, but I think that top end PVE PVP players they will occasionally play, um, but they're they're still gonna want to play Crucible more. Top end PVE players will occasionally play. But they're still going to want to do whatever PvPing that they that they normally want to do more because they don't want to mess around with invading and getting invaded. For the you know seventy percent in the middle, I think that's who this game mode is is attracted to. Uh, that's my opinion. I, I think I think I think that game mode is going to be particularly attractive to that big block of people in the middle of that spectrum of pvp and pve uh and and we play i mean i, I gotta look how many i played but I'm, I'm gonna guess and say i played uh 12 12 matches you know they last about 20 minutes 20 minutes a piece i guess you know uh, if they're stretching out maybe maybe less maybe somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes uh it could go faster if you're really burning the boss and all that kind of stuff but so i have a fair a fair experience with it uh, solo queue, me and my son playing, and then playing with an actual fire team. Couple, couple things I picked up. Teamwork is a thing. Like, you, you can solo queue, but, you know, you, you're going to have a rough time if you don't understand the game or you don't want to be a team player, even if you're not talking to each other. Uh, l- l- like, I'm 100% convinced of that. So it's got a little bit of a Trials of Osiris kind of feel to it, sort of like that. Um the 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 mechanics of it are very tight the meta in that for weapons and you know the type of things you need to bring to the table is going to be noticeably different i think than crucible or pve uh certainly when you look at a team level loadout not just individual um, and pretty much every match that we had was fun it, it, it and the way that the mechanics are structured you can definitely go back and forth you you can you can definitely go high risk, high reward, you know, a gambit, if you will. And you can swing that fight big time back into your favor if you need to. Uh, you, you can absolutely do that. Uh, so from that angle, I really like it a lot. The things I don't like are the things that I I am I think they need to address uh, with, with the game being so finely balanced. And I, and I mean that. It, it is a, a very fine level of, of margin for error. The game the, the game mode is very balanced, like very, very balanced in terms of what you're doing, what the enemy's doing, and you know how those te- things how the two teams are competing with each other and a time factor, badge burning, the ads are burning, the whole thing. I would say it is a very, very balanced offering by, by Bungie. Uh and I don't mean like even Steven's balance, I mean it it meshes really well as a synchro- as a very synchronized and well put together game mode. Where it falls apart very quickly, though, is if one person drops out of match. So if you've got four people on four people and the other side loses one, that is a massive advantage, like massive advantage in terms of what's going on. Uh, So if that, and what I think is happening, particularly what we were seeing, Um, particularly maybe because people weren't picking up like how, how the game modes worked or they were getting frustrated or something. But if you get housed in the first round, that by no means is an indicator that you're going to lose the next two by no means. So they'll be like, Oh, well I need to drop." It's like a crucible match. I need to drop out. We're not going to be able to make it back. Um, And so the other team starts losing players and they don't, and you can't get other players in very well. That's where this game mode can break down and not be fun, but it's four on four. It's, it's baller. Like we had a couple matches last night uh, against it was our four stack and uh, our clan versus another four stack and another clan, and those were back and forth, tooth and nail the whole time. And, and it wasn't like sweaty, kind of like you, you know draining style PVP. It was fun. It was fun gameplay. Uh, it was like a it was like a good a good stress. Um, so that's the high end of the game mode. The low end is when you get like two people on four, uh, because of D, you know, DC, you know, somebody DC'd or they just didn't like how the match was going, they bail out. That's where the game I think they gotta figure out something on how do you get somebody in there quick. That that's kinda my general hot take on it.
0: No, I think you're you're totally on point there. And and I you know, admittedly we were we were playing and we had a bad start on one and just some stuff happened. We got invaded and we, we kind of lost some progress. I was like, ah, it sucks that, you know, we're, we're, uh, if you screw up in the beginning, you're at such disadvantage, you're never going to catch up. And then at the end of the match, we actually won and came from behind and, and took the win. And I was like, wow, I like, kind of ate my words on that. Like, that's actually really cool that if you are really tight and solid, you can actually very easily flip it around. And there were a couple of times where we were ahead and you know, lost it at the very end because of the way that uh, the other team acted. And I think that's that's the really cool part. You kind of touched on the teamwork and how you do your loadouts, and in general, I think there's a lot of strategy behind it, much more so than you find in your typical, you know, pickup match from like Crucible or even PVE, where it's like, okay, you know, like when we like when, you, when we were playing, you know, my brother Dante was like kind of the de facto invader because he was set up to do PvP more so than PVE. He had the weapons, he had the super setup. He was just kind of like that was his thing. He's going to go in where I was more focused on like the PVE aspect and just trying to, you know, burn as many enemies down as possible. And in in trying to coordinate that and kind of like, okay, I'm going to bring this gun, you bring that gun. I'm going to bring this super, you bring that subclass. You know, okay, we're going to each get five motes. We're going to bank it. and We're going to block the enemy at these specific times to try to you know prevent them from from advancing. It meshes extremely well, and it was really cool to kind of see it all just work and make sense. it was very intuitive it didn't need like a big lengthy explanation it was pretty much kill enemies get the moats bank them you know if you bank somebody at a time you get this advantage go for it. it felt really easy to play it was very enjoyable. Um, the excitement level is is awesome because you kind of have this like mad rush of you know kill the enemies quick you know bank the stuff. And then you get like an invader come in and you kind of have to do this mental shift of like, okay, shit, how are we going to deal with this guy in the 30 seconds he's here? Um, and that kind of, you know, gets your heart pumping and then you, you get rid of him or he gets rid of you. You kind of go back to what you were doing before. Um, really good, enjoyable cycle of, of excitement. And I think it's it's way better balanced than than anything that the PVE or PVP offers on its own. And it's probably the most enjoyable um, co-op competitive experience i've I've felt in the game so far and i'm i'm very excited for more of it i think it's going to go really well and i think the fact that they're building an entire expansion around the character that is tied to the gambit is also really fantastic because he's really interesting and i would love to see them iterate on this game mode game mode even more because it's a lot of fun and i'm impressed i'm very impressed it's a lot better than i thought it would be and i had a lot of fun playing it
2: yeah it's um the it sounds kind of interesting, you know. The one from a mechanical standpoint, what I thought was fascinating was it, it allowed for a couple of things. One, you got these hero moments uh, that that you don't normally get in these PvP kind of games. So the so the invader, you know, you got thirty seconds of PvP, at a, and it will start to cycle. You know, where you're, where you can almost always have somebody in the other guy's court. Um, that you get some advantages as the invader. There's, you know, like there's some stealth mechanics, there's different target tracking and highlighting things. And, and you, you, it's designed for you to be the predator. And it's, you get these moments where you get, you have a guy going there and he gets like three, four kills, total clutch moment, heals up their, you know, the their prime evil, which makes it harder for them to burn the boss. You know, that's, that's the whole point. You burn the raid boss first and you win. Um, and you have these windows where that game mode is really set up to clutch these clutch play moments where when you bank a large blocker, that feels good. When you bank, you know, those 15 most and you drop like an ogre on the other team feels great. When you get that invasion and you don't get killed and you kill like two or three of their guys, or you get a team wipe with like a, a you know, a killer play with the sins of the past or something like that, or you drop your super on them. Um, that feels great. Or when you get that, uh, you know, clutch Nova bomb off on the, the Prime Evil or you kill the Invader, it, it, that's what I, I kind of really walked away from is that game mode, more than anything I've played in D2 and frankly in a lot of other games, really sets you up for these like big play moments is kind of the, the best, best way I could describe it. Um, so that's, that, that was kind of the big thing I, I kind of walked away in terms of what made it fun for me. And like I said, you bring a lot of different aspects to it. It's really well put together. I just they have got a couple one or two things they need to tighten up in terms of making sure you don't have too many people like falling away. And frankly, I think once we see what the loot pool looks like, that will drive a lot of that too. Um and, and like if it's if it's a, a punitive action for leaving the game, or how does it hurt your, you know, your infamy rank because it's gonna have its own ranking system, I think they've kind of set this up where You know, in PvP, in the Crucible, you've got comp, and then you've got quick play. So there, and they're two different ranking systems, two different kind of. You know, I don't think they're necessarily two different loot pools, but the loot systems are a little different. Um, The rewards are definitely different because you can get like the Redrick's gear out of um, out of the comp, you know, out of the comp playlist, but you cannot get it out of quick play. So there's, you know, there's some bifurcation there. I think this. Is really setting it up to, you're gonna have people that play pretty much just gambit, or they only touch crucible enough to get their like milestones in for engrams or something. And if the loot pool is good, if the armor is good, you know if it like looks pretty sharp and they've got some good, good weapon weapon drops you can get that are gambit exclusive, that's what'll keep that game mode alive. I think Uh, because it's a lot of fun. It's it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, did you, I don't know if you noticed, but like in the listing in the on the Bungie website, when it lists like the, the Joker's Wild DLC, the, the Gambit one, they talk about, uh, you know, like one of the bullet points is uh, the Gambit game mode evolves. So they already have plans. And the big speculation is they're going to change. You're going to get different maps. Or there's going to be a 6v6 version, which will have to kind of be rebalanced and all that kind of good stuff. And I, I'll be very interested to see how that looks.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff they can go um, go from from where they currently are at. I think that what they've got is extremely solid, it's a fantastic foundation, there's lots of room for they could build upon it, and it's it's like, for the most part, you guys have got it pretty well in lockdown, and there's a couple things, but this is probably one of the most well-balanced new game modes I've seen them come out with initially. I mean, they usually get it right eventually, but for a first run, I'm very impressed, it's, it's very good.
2: Oh, I got. I want to, I want to throw my, my deep speculation out here. So, Bungie is actually really good about not putting anything out to the public in their formal communications that they don't want you to see, and they are extraordinarily good at weaving threads in that lead to other things. They're, like, exceptionally good at it, in fact. Um, so, a couple things. In the, uh, the Black Armory DLC, they talk about you know, the golden age weapons and then discovering new weapons of light and fury. The drifter is all about, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely started as a guardian, but he's, I don't, he's certainly his own man, his own guy now. Uh, and he definitely harnesses, uh, the darkness or something other than the light. Uh, that's very, very clear in the gameplay. And you know, there's lore tabs already coming out with some of the gear coming out of Gambit that highlight his backstory. Uh, and and it is very strongly hinted that he is one of the uh, the shadows of yore, like one of the uh, uh, the thorn, the, the guy, you know, the kind of the guys that there were the posse of uh, dragon yore, the the guy that had the thorn, that classic exotic from uh, from D one. I think that it's going to lead to I mean, whether they call it fury or not, I don't know, but they're going to lead to something else, like another another tree where you got you know like solar arc and void i it would not surprise me if this eventually leads to like a fury or you know call it fury or something else uh another kind of like character tree you know like skill tree or power tree uh when it's all said and done so i'm I'm kind of i'm calling that now i think i think that's eventually what's going to happen out of this
0: Well, especially since even in just the base Forsaken, you hear Ultron talking about the the line between the light and the dark is very thin. Are you sure what what side you're standing on? I think that's going to be a very prevalent theme throughout the Forsaken expansion. It's kind of this like, eh, it's not so cut and dry as you thought it was. And I think the Wanderer's story um, and his background and what he's dealt with is... uh, it's really telling, and I think you're gonna I think you're you're absolutely right that it's gonna go kind of down that that route and I'm I'm looking forward to it. That could be really cool to
3: explore. Do you think we'll have any taken subclasses?
2: Uh I don't know, but i it wouldn't surprise me if there's like shades of that, you know, pun intended if they kinda go down that road.
0: Yeah, I mean there's plenty of speculation on ways they could expand beyond kind of the three things they've been doing so far so i think that you know maybe maybe not taken i'm not so sure about that but i think there's lots of things they could do and some of the themes they're exploring now i think will most likely set up kind of the overall arc of what the third destiny is going to be like so I'm, i'm i'm curious to see where they take it i think it can be really good all right, I think we're pretty good on Destiny Forsaken stuff. That is going to drop in like two days here. So uh, on, the, on the 4th, I think it is. Um, it's Tuesday. We'll be definitely hopping on that. Libby and I have both pre-ordered it. I know Jay has already purchased it quite a while ago, so we'll definitely double back next week and kind of talk more in depth about our, our initial thoughts on, on how the, for the uh, expansion is going. So the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick was kind of the freebies for this week, if you are an Xbox Gold member or if you're a PlayStation Plus member. Uh, Bate, did you want to do the Xbox One?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, this this month, uh, today is September 2nd, so um, already uh, you can go download uh, two of these games. And so we've got, for the whole month on Xbox One, uh, Prison Architect, um. Uh, for the for the one, and then for the 360, we've got LEGO Star Wars 3, The Clone Wars. Actually, a really fun game. Um, that's available for the first 15 days of this month, and then for the second half of the month, we've got Sega Vintage Collection Monster World on the 360 for the 16th through the 30th, and then the final Xbox One game is a game called Live Lock, and that will be available from the 16th of September to the 15th of October.
0: All right. Fantastic. And for PlayStation in Sony's absolute brilliant marketing decision for PlayStation 4, Destiny 2 is free for PlayStation Plus members. So if you wanted to give Destiny 2 a shot because you're looking at Forsaken, you can try the base game for free, Um, which is also brilliant because it came out right before the uh, Gambit free day launch. So you could actually get Destiny 2 for free and then try Gambit as a preview for Forsaken. So for the month of uh, September, Destiny 2 is free. Um, probably worth a shot. It's actually been updated really well. I see a lot of newbies in the Crucible. I'm sorry. Um,
3: I actually love that there's newbies in oh, the Crucible.
0: Oh, they're they are learning. Oh
3: my KDR shot up real good.
0: Yeah, they, there's a lot of newbies in the Crucible. You'll, you'll definitely feel it. Um, and then also, God of War 3 Remastered is available on PS4. Um, kind of a precursor to the most recent God of War, which is fantastic. Um, and then on... <clears throat> excuse me. On PlayStation 3 and Vita with the crossplay feature is Another World, the 20th anniversary edition. There is Cube Director's Cut also with Cross Buy for PS3. There is Sparkle 2 for PS3 and Vita. And then Foul Play for Crossplay with PS3 and Vita. So a lot of Vita games uh, out there. Um, probably none of them are actually worth your time because nothing is good on the Vita. But uh yeah, go pick up Destiny 2. It's good to give it a shot for free this uh this month. Okay, so anything else guys before we do shoutouts? Um,
1: D- Division Two dropped some gameplay. I think that was yesterday at PAX. Um, kind of showed off the map. Um, for for DC. Um, I don't know. His gameplay. It it looked whatever. Um, if you played the division, then I mean you you kind of know what to expect. Um, so I don't know if I don't know if anybody here is is interested in giving that one a, a, a try or not.
0: Probably.
3: Maybe. I, yeah.
1: I, 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 I can play cool.
2: No, so not going to, but... Absolutely not.
0: We don't do that here. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I think, I think Jay and I have gone back and forth on our reasons for, for liking and disliking the, the series. So I think Livy and I will probably be giving it a shot. Um but uh we'll see. But yeah, we'll we'll I'll definitely look into it I did not see that that gameplay drop, but we'll talk about that next week. That should be good. Alright, let's do shout outs So I'm going to do Zell's uh, shout-out since he has gone and left one for us. Um, he wanted to give a shout-out to the Google Pixel 2. Uh, it's a cell phone that I actually have. He wants to let everyone know that it is a fantastic phone, and I completely agree. Um, um, I really like it, so you should give it a shot if you're looking in the market for a new phone. I'm just kidding. He says it sucks, but I think it's a good phone, and you should listen to me more than Zell, so there you go. Uh, for me, my shout out goes to, you know, I, I got to probably give it to, to the Gambit game mode, the guys that came up with it at Bungie. I was really impressed with it. I was like, it'd ah, be kind of cool to give it a shot ahead of time. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And to see something so well balanced and tuned just from a design perspective is very impressive. And I, I was I was uh, caught off guard by it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that. So shout out to whoever came up with that and to the team that actually managed to put it together and make the whole thing mesh so well together. All right, Libby, you're up.
3: I have two. Um, one is to uh, Bugatti. I don't know if anyone, uh, the car, car maker, um, uh, made, uh, what is this, uh, Bugatti Curon, I think I'm saying that, out of Legos. So it took them almost 14,000 hours to make uh, a Lego vehicle that can go about 13 miles per hour. <laughs> that's it. A only 13.
1: <laughs> so you're talking about the company that makes the fastest yes, production yes. car in the fucking world. It <laughs> ran on a battery
3: on. and like Lego Technics, but yeah, hours. One to
2: one scale. That's that's the thing. It's literally full size one to one scale of the car.
3: Yeah, it's it looks pretty sick stuff, though. though. Um, Are, the um, hmm? Are the seats Lego?
0: Are the seats Lego?
3: Yeah, everything's made out of Lego, LEGO.
0: <laughs> the whole in, thing. And, and correct me if I'm wrongly, but the motors themselves are also LEGO Technic oh, motors, right? Yes,
3: that's
0: absolutely correct. Right.
3: Um, and then my second shout out uh, is actually to a Destiny player, Fishsticks424, Woo! who made <laughs> playing yesterday with um, with Jason so amazing. Just because, yeah, we had to know about Fishsticks. Yes, yeah. shout out to you guys. Parkerisms are my
0: new favorite part of Destiny too
2: he he was uh he was desperate to play cade 6 for Halloween and in fact uh Pokey's brother is is helping make a uh a 3d printed ace of spades for me so I can, you know as a present for uh, for my son but oh, that's awesome. um the uh by the way please remind him to continue to, to work on that i
0: love the, um,
2: the the interesting thing is like you know my wife who is actually the, the crafty you know, person that puts together like the costumes and, you know, the cosplayery I, I, I basically bring my wallet. That's, that is what I bring to the game. You know, I bring my wallet to the game. She does all the crafty stuff to make costumes. And, uh, she's like, okay, all right, all right, show me this, this Cade guy. And I was like, okay. So we fire up the YouTube's machine and sh- and, and the, and the iPad. And she like turned around, and looked at me and just, Blazed laser daggers at my face. She's like, "You want me to do what?" So I was like, "Hey, hey!" But I've already got a line on how to get the gun. So, so that that may not happen. He may he may go down to an Ant Man costume. But um, that was. But he's definitely a, a super into Destiny. So he's nine years old, and watching him play and listening to him is, is an absolute trip. Uh, he's uh he's played more D one. He's finished every single campaign in D1, and I, I did not do that. Like I, like I peaked at like Vault of Glass, which you know that was kind of my high, my high end moment for uh, for Destiny One. Then I kind of drifted away and did other things. He's played everything. I mean, he's gone through Rise of Iron and all. That, you know, he's played it all. He, he's got Gallahorn. I didn't get Gallahorn in, in D1. Let me put it that way. Um, so he's he's trying Destiny's trying to like. Trying to really get into into Destiny too, and uh, and so the so the, so the gang was very very nice in letting him play with uh play with us yesterday, and he he has been on me all day today about wanting to play play again with the clan because he's in our clan because that's how I can play I can see him play with him, uh so I'm I'm gently trying to work him around on that one, but he I really appreciate you guys letting him play. Thank you very much.
3: Yes, of course.
0: Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. All right, bait, you're up, man. All right, so
1: couple of things are going to happen. So uh, yesterday, I believe, was the was the kickoff for college football all across the great United States of America. Um, so i got a couple of shouts to throw that way. Uh, first is going to go to the University of Tennessee Volunteers, uh, Go Big Orange. Uh, we may have lost to uh, West Virginia, but that's okay. We will win against somebody else soon, hopefully. Um and Wait, are, you,
2: are you for volunteers?
1: Motherfucker, you bet I am. Hey man, hey man, I'm just, <laughs> I'm
2: I, because I love you like a brother that I've never met in real life and shit. I'm just gonna tell you, like that'll get you cut in Florida, particularly <laughs> where you live.
1: Well, it could be worse. I could be an Alabama fan, and that really will touche. It really will get you cut in Alabama, walking around as, a, as an orange fan. But that's okay. Uh, you just have to, you know. Move around the, the silly gator people chomping at you. Um, those kids are weird. And then my next football related shout out has got to go to my college, who kicked the ever loving shit out of St. Augustine. Uh, Jacksonville University beat St. Augustine 63 to like 14 in our first home game. So that was really awesome. Um, my final shout out is going to go to uh, Amazon Prime's Jack Ryan TV series finished that today that dropped on the 31st of august what an amazing tv series if you haven't watched it it's uh john krasinski aka jim from the office um and he's a he's a motherfucking secret agent and it's amazing
0: so go watch that all right good shit and jay you're up uh
2: okay um shout out to logan paul you guys know who that is logan paul i'm bait i know you know who that is, Unfortunately. Right? Okay. So he's back kind of in the news, um, not in so much of an egregious way as he was last time when he, uh, you know, uh, effectively, you know, shamed himself and his family and his, and his entire genetic line, you know, and, and the United States of America. He did everything but basically, like, shit on a baby eagle and, like, you know, say he hates the baby Jesus. But uh, anyway, what he's doing now is hilarious. He's calling out, like, active UFC professional mixed martial arts fighters and saying he wants he's like petitioning to get a fight in the UFC.
3: Oh yeah, he fought that no. one guy and thought that he's a professional no, no. now.
2: now. He, he fought another YouTuber in a charity boxing match.
3: Yeah. There's so.
2: so.
3: And it was a draw. Yes. Which means which he's gonna it. get the bejesus kicked out of him.
2: Mm-hmm. I
3: and, that, and I, I wanna I, watch it.
2: I normally do not condone these kind of things because I, I do think it kind of takes away from the actual sport. But Dana White, because I know Dana White listens to the podcast. By the way I'm totally joking with that because Dana White does not even know we exist. But Dana White, if you were listening to the podcast, I would implore you, please for the love of God, give Logan Paul a fight. Please. Please. And I can give you a whole list of people. In fact, don't even let him make he didn't even make he doesn't even make weight. Doesn't need to make weight. Just just put him in the ring with anybody that's roughly the same size physically as he is, for the love of God. Just so I can pay, I would pay good money to watch that fight, or uh, I'd pay good money to watch that ass whipping. Sorry. Sorry. So, anyway, that's my shout out to Logan Paul because I desperately hope you get your wish. Uh, and I, 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 I got to give a shout out to Jason Mayhem Miller. He was, uh, he's a longtime uh, professional fighter. He's crazy. He's like gone to jail, done some crazy. I mean, he's crazy, crazy, but he had this cool show on MTV, uh, called bully Beatdown." You guys, you guys remember that?
0: I think so. Yeah, actually, actually.
2: So basically they'd find some guy that was kind of being a douchebag, and, uh, they would offer him an exorbitant amount of money to get in the ring with a pro fighter. And, you know, for three rounds, basically three, one minute rounds. And, uh, and generally, it was the most satisfying things I saw on TV. Even though it's like an absolute foregone conclusion, what's happening every time. I and mean, they put some poor sack in there with uh, Andre Orlowski, former you know UFC heavyweight champ, who mauled him. In in like seven states, it would have been illegal. I only hope that that's what they would do with Logan Paul. I could only hope. So anyway, that's my shout out.
0: It's fantastic. All right, guys, uh, good show. I want to thank everyone for joining us. As usual, if you want to head over to biomass.com and hit us up on the contact tabs, you can get in touch with us, give us some games you want us to play, things you want us to talk about, more than happy to oblige. Or if you want to be on the show, just let us know. That being said, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.